podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And it's a very different looking and sounding Hammer Time this week. Obviously, Phil isn't here. Uh, I've been asked to stand in for him um, as, as far as I can. Uh, with us today, we have uh, a great friend of the podcast, one of the finest bloggers, not just about West Ham, but on the internet as a whole, in my opinion. Creator and the genius behind the H list, he is James Kearns. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rob. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm absolutely shitting myself, but uh, uh, I'm doing my best, as well, you can see. you can call me a genius, I'm, so yeah, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you do splendidly. That's Carry what on. I do when I'm yeah. nervous. Um, also with us today, a man who is a colossus, uh, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, a father figure of the Stop Hammer Time Facebook group, uh, uh, and the voice of reason, albeit mainly sarcastic reason, uh, Colin Milne. Welcome, Colin. Hello, Rob. Nice to see you again. Now, despite the fact that we've only had one game since the last podcast, uh, it did throw up or spit out or whatever you want to say, uh, a number of issues for us to discuss today. So uh, we'll be talking about that and also the signing of uh, Joao Mario uh, and uh, any other potential business we might be doing uh, in the next couple of days and have a look forward to the games against Crystal Palace and Brighton. Um, Phil does have a good reason for being away. He left this message via the management and asked me to read it out. So I've got it here. I will not try and do his voice. Dear Robert, can you please stand in for me and Jim on this week's Stop Hammer Time as we are not yet back from the Wigan match? Our friends from Zelo are yet to offer a service to away matches, preferring instead to offer a free trip to listeners of this podcast to home matches via the link ride.westhampodcast.com and using the promo code HAMMERTIME. Jim and I have posted us directly to Wigan via Hermes Courier Service. <laughs> Jim said if we offered ourselves on eBay at no reserve price, we could get someone to even pay the postage for us. Unfortunately, Jim wrote the label after closing time, so we're currently sitting in the post room of a clap clinic just outside Wolverhampton, <laughs> waiting to be opened. It also meant that we missed the match and we haven't yet seen the result. Jim thinks we probably murdered them, and then won the game by default as they're all dead. But my reckoning is a brace from Masuaku showing a cool head against shambolic opposition, a last-minute break from Obiang, and heart-winning man of the match, heroically saving everything thrown at him, maybe even a penalty. I'm sure one of us will be right. As a hedge, though, I made a bet that we'd get beaten 2-0 using the free £50 our listeners get with bet at, uh, bet.westhampodcast.com. But that was a real long shot with fantastic odds. It just made me feel better about us beating plucky underdogs. Good luck with the show tonight. Love you lots. Philip Archibald Whelans. Which uh, I thought that was really nice. And uh, I had no idea. Austin like. Had no idea his <laughs> middle I'd name was Archibald. Him as an Archibald. I don't know why. Yeah. He, he looks like an Archibald. Let's hope they both get the all clear. Uh, so, um, Wigan on Saturday. Uh, what can we say about it? Uh, James, what was your impression? I've read your blog today, and uh, I think I know what you're going to say. But, uh, yeah, I kind of disguised it, but it did seep through that um, the, the, the Wigan game has tipped me over the edge. Um, not, not really for the result, because West Ham losing to lower uh, you know, league opposition in the Cup is not really a new thing that any of us would be particularly surprised by. And in fact, I think um, 
you know, we don't have the resources to sustain a cup run and a, well, <laughs> league challenge isn't quite the right word, is it? But, you know, <laughs> stay in the league. So I, I was one of those people who, who wasn't unhappy um, about us prioritising league games. But we didn't really do that. No. We picked sort of half a first team and some kids. Um, suffered to, well, we've lost, suffered an injury with Obiang and, and obviously Masuaku's out as well. It surprised me that they, all the, all the noise coming out of the club before the game was that we weren't going there to win the game. By any stretch of the imagination, it did seem like fact, that, didn't it? And 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 yet they risked four or five first team players, and they've, uh, you know, and look what's happened. I'm not sure. Yet. I suppose perhaps what Moyes would say is he didn't have anyone else he could have picked. Mm. And you know, and we're taking four thousand fans; they deserve something. You know, you, you've got, you know, no West Ham team should ever be going anywhere and being uncompetitive. You know, not I'm not talking about us winning games, but we shouldn't just be conceding them before we get there particularly to a team that's two divisions below us. And that's the thing that's really tipped me over the edge, is, is not really the result, not really um, the game itself, just the position that we find ourselves in, again, year after year, massive injury crisis, our squad can't cope with it, and we are scratching around in January trying to fix the problems of July um, for about the 10th consecutive year, mm. and I would say it's not good enough. Colin, Colin, you'll remember you'll remember previous instance of, I, of I, I've cup been exits in, and um, Mansfield on a wet February night and seen us lose to Mansfield in the sixties or seventies. Can't re- quite remember which decade it was. Um, we were abysmal that night, but there is a difference here. I think James has a point. Um, I think that there is a general malaise around the club. I, I, I just think that the football and the loss to Wigan was a side issue of everything that's going on at the moment. Um, the disquiet amongst fans, I think, is now reaching epidemic proportions. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if this is uh, the beginning of the protest movement that we're all waiting for. I, I just think that this just might have tipped everybody over the edge. Strangely, it probably wouldn't have done if we'd scraped a 1-0 van. That's the nature of football fans. Mm-hmm. They'd probably go home relatively happy for some particular reason. But you just have to look at and ask yourself, if you've got 12 injuries and when Mr Moyes joined, you probably had one or two. And when Mr Moyes joined, he decided that the club was generally unfit and put them through their paces to get fit again. Could that be part of the problem? There's a big Do question. we actually overwork some mm. of those players and leave them injury prone? Because we're picking up far more injuries than any other club, um, having gone through half a season and recognised the fact that they just weren't fit. But we've had a long injury list for a long time, haven't we? And there's also been um, recently um, accusations about the appointment of Gary Lewin and the fact that Arsenal had a history of hamstring injuries um, prior to his departure and whether there was something he was doing that was that was causing because hamstrings seem to be the predominant yeah. the predominant injury. The, the, I, I don't know. Hamstrings are about um, not being fit as well. Mm. I mean, it's not just generally about and being, not warming up. Properly. Not warming up, but I mean that that um, can actually um, be part of the same process because you have a close season to get players match fit. That's why you have a close season. That's why you have that sort of regime. If you get halfway through the season and realise that that pre-season didn't work at all and those players weren't fit, then there is a rush to get them back into that level of fitness. And I don't think it's helped with... And there are an awful lot of hamstring injuries as well. Um, When you look at that list, I think something like 
five or six of them are actually hamstring related. And you're right, that's about not warming up. That's not about that's about not being physically fit. Um, um, and, and you can't generally blame David Moyes for that because it's something he inherited. Um, and it's something that he had to rush into doing. He had to rush to get players fit. But I think it might have actually caused a further downfall in our in our position, just because of what he inherited. One of the things that one of the things that we identified under Bilic was that the players were generally uh, generally not as fit as they should be. So, do you think that extraordinary? Do, absolutely. Do you think that Moyes coming in and trying to push them too hard as as has pushed a number of them too far? Possibly, I think, but I, I think that we've also had a nightmare um, fixture list as well. We've we played mm. since December, I think, 11 games in 30-odd days. You know, two games in three days. Mm. Um, uh, New Year, you know, the Tottenham game and, sure. and the West Brom game. That's ludicrous. You can't ask pro yeah, footballers Yeah, but Tottenham to had the same thing, didn't they? Tottenham they did, had yeah, yeah. The, 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 those same three games in that six-day period. Um, and, you know, with, with due respect, they haven't got the same sort of injury list we've got. So I don't think it's the whole answer. I think it's part of it, but I don't think it's the whole answer. No, but I mean, something like Lanzini playing, you know, 120 minutes against the Shrewsbury in the replay and then going down that with an injury. It was a bizarre, dis- dis- yeah. bizarre decision know. to play him for the, from the start. Him on, and Arnautovic both yeah. went down the following Saturday with, yeah. with hamstring yeah. injuries. Yeah. Well, Lanzini and uh, Arnautovic both came on as substitutes in the replay. I don't think they started, did they? I think Lanzini, Lanzini played started. the whole one. Yeah. Oh, Lanzini yeah, yeah. started, yeah. Sorry, Arnautovic came on second half, and of course, I think the the plan was that we were going to win the game in the ninety minutes, and the, weren't yeah. planning on him playing an extra half an hour. Uh, and to be fair, it could have worked because mm. uh, until Arnautovic came in, we didn't look like scoring, and, and and he did add something to that. But again, the cost is that you're wearing out a valuable player um, in a cup match. Um, that at the end of the day, you doesn't really matter because you you lose the next round so which again easily. makes you wonder about the, the the noises coming out of the club and whether if if we're not going to have a serious tilt at the club why didn't we let the game run to penalties and go out you know go out meekly yeah. uh, without risking Arnautovic yeah. Lanzini you know if we had managed to sneak through yeah. Without this, them, this is so this good. is this is depressing. Just talking about it. Now. <laughs> okay. We are going to cheer up at some Let's, stage. No, aren't we? Well, I, I, well, unfortunately, I've seen anything. the agenda. <laughs> I've seen the agenda, and it doesn't get much better because we wanted to also talk about uh, Masuaku's uh, sending off and just the stupidity of it. Um, having said that, I would say in his defence that he did not spit at the face of the player. He spat in the general direction. He was frustrated and the referee didn't see it. Now, I'm not saying that what he did was right, but I think he's a six-match ban is possibly a harsh treatment. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the alternatives that people have suggested is that they sack him. Mm. Uh, and I think that that's a little harsher. Um, <laughs> but I, this is a problem with modern football. Somebody has decided before he was given that six-match ban, people were already posting, well, when you spit, you're going to get a six-match ban. I think because there's, you know, there, there, there have been previous incidents, somebody has decided that, well, look, that when that happens, you know, that's the ban you're going to get. I don't think for one second the authorities took any notice of the circumstances and whether it was directly at a player or not, he was just always going to get that six-match ban. But that makes um, it even stupider, though, doesn't it? Once it you does know, make if you, it stupid, If yeah. you know that you spit on a football pitch and you get a six-match ban, you don't ever do it. You well, know I mean, I, yeah, I, I appreciate I, the stuff you're saying around the kind of 
No, James, bit, I, 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 I get that as well. But, yeah. I mean, footballers also know that the moment they take their shirt off to celebrate a goal, they're <laughs> going to get booked. And they just keep doing it. There's something about footballs, footballers that will just go that extra yard. Or kicking the ball the away. Kicking the ball get, away. Kicking the ball away, yeah. Um, sometimes when our player takes his shirt off and he gets booked and you you just think, you know, just why? I think yeah. the famous case where, was it Carlton Cole that got sent off at Everton? Because he'd, he'd already oh, been booked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and then he took his shirt off because he completely forgot that he'd been booked. And yeah. that, that, that's the nature of footballers. That, you know, sometimes, bless them, they're not always that bright, are they? West Ham scoring at Evan as well. I mean, so well, unusual you'd take your shirt off. <laughs> yeah. I think I took my shirt off uh, that day. Yeah. Um, but it's not the, obviously not the first uh, incident of spitting in the game. Uh, we've seen it so many times and it, it does make you wonder what it is that enters a footballer's head to think that that might be a good idea. Um, I, I know I've, I've heard of instances of it happening when people get cross on the tube or whatever, you know, someone will get yeah. spat out. And I, as, a, as a, what I consider to be a fairly normal human being, I just think, how on earth does it enter someone's, someone's brain to do that? But there's a whole list. I, I found this article on the uh, Telegraph website earlier today of previous here are some names of footballers who have uh, who have spat in the past you've got the famous incident with Frank Rijkaard and, and Rudy yeah. Voller in the 1990 World Cup which was possibly the most abhorrent example not just because it was in a World Cup and there were so many people watching but he did it twice didn't he Rijkaard he sort of he had did, a yeah, had a sneaky yeah. sneaky one uh, to sort of say to him you know yeah. Uh, I'm watching you, and, and then, and remember, then after he got sent off, he uh, he really hawked one up as well. Didn't he? I think, yeah. his, I think there yeah. was an element of emptying the nose. There as was well, a, wasn't there yeah. was there was a definite greenie in there. I would have I would <laughs> suggest, um, and it, and it, it sort of stuck in Voller's Voller's mullet as well, didn't it? Which um, well, didn't he have a permit? Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> oh, that's making me feel a bit sick. Anyway, um, Fabian Bartes, another one um, in a friendly against. Uh, against Casablanca, um, spat at the referee. Can you believe? Uh, and got a three-match, ba- uh, three-month ban, and three months suspended. Um, we remember Patrick Vieira, of course. Yeah, in that, Ruddock, that famous, yeah, yeah. Uh, famous game at Upton Park against uh, Neil Ruddock. Six-match ban and a thirty thousand pound fine. That was in nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah. So six weeks wages. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, Francesco Totti in the uh, European Championships in 2004. Cristiano Ronaldo did spit at Robbie Savage, so we'll, we'll let that one go. Yeah, that's um, okay. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think he got a £20,000 reward for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Lionel Messi against Malaga in November 2008. So it's not, you know, people have sort of said, oh, it's the Latin temperament or it's the, you know, whatever. It's not anything to do with that. It's just down to what kind of human being you are, I think. And um, yeah, to an extent, I think that that's right. Um, and it's no example to set to kids. The the example that we've been quoted, obviously, uh, of it happening before, is uh, Billy Bonds. Yeah. Um, so what do we what do we think about that? 
I think we go back to the original point. People were calling for the player to be banned, or sorry, not banned, but sacked. Um, if you want to go back to 1970 and sack Billy Bonds, then you're going to have to rewrite an awful lot of history and what happened to the club after then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think with a young man that sometime he will do something that's remarkably stupid. If he does it, as people say in the workplace, he is going to get sacked. But he's never going to be stopped from carrying out his profession because he'll go and get a job somewhere else. And that's the problem for footballers. That's why they are an exception. That's why you probably can't sack them because they'll never work again. If you're doing it in a factory and you spit at somebody, then at some stage you you might own up to your new employer that that's why you were sacked, but you will get another job. Mm. So I think the sacking bit is a little harsh. But that's a nonsense. He's a £20 million asset. Club's never going to sack him. But a six-match ban is, I think, pretty commensurate with what he did. It was despicable, as Moyes said. I think he deserves every every punishment he got. And the guys from the Man United podcast that came out earlier were suggesting that Moyes had been defending him in some way. But I, I don't, think he, I, I don't think he ever has, has he? He no. said it was a despicable act. Yeah. And uh, he's not sort of... Uh, all he said was he didn't think the referee had seen it. Yeah, and that's right. And, and he's convicted him when he The say. referee took a bite. Yeah. I mean, he hadn't seen it. That's but, the... um, but ultimately, the correct decision. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, None of those players on the list were Flemish, were they? <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, I think that's probably uh, a good point at which to take a break and have a message from our sponsors. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. Got our man, not Shelby, Will Schiffer, Laney, or Joe Allen. He comes from Portugal, he played for Rina Milan. But since he was a boy, he's dreamed of coming West Ham. Posters of Ian Dowie and Bishop, too. You cut this boy, I tell you, he'll be Clarid and Blue. Go, go! Joe Mario! Oh! Joe Mario! Oh! Joe Mario! Oh! Joe Mario! Joe Mario! According to his FIFA stats, he's a good one, and we've oddly had to pay, so congrats, Sullivan. Oh, finally, we have a CM who can play. I'm not aiming at anyone. So sorry if the song gets stuck in your head. Will it be the last? Don't go to bed. Welcome back. Um, that sound you can hear in the background, uh, that faint groaning, is the sound of Chuck Berry turning in his grave. Um... That song apparently is uh, is being put forward as the the song for Joao Mario. Um, quite awful, I think, but uh, also reasonably amusing. Um, apparently, it's the uh, performed by Bradley Morgan at Bradcal One, and you can also see the video on our Twitter um, at West Ham Podcast um, if you really want to. Uh, James, what was your favourite player related song? Uh, I quite like George Paris. George, he takes no shit. shit. I, quite, yeah, I thought that yeah. was uh, simple but effective. Uh, I, I mean, and also some and of, true. When, well, mm, I thought I remember him taking quite a lot of shit, but um, yeah, 
Depends on the definition. I remember him, there was a friendly against some Brazilian team once. Remember that? I think it was it might even have been his own testimonial, and um, he got in like he started like a twenty man brawl, <laughs> which um, was uh, I thought uh, poor old John. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one that sticks out off the top of my head. Colin, well, favourite song actually wasn't uh, wasn't uh, sung that often. It was only sung once, to the best of my knowledge, um, and I was at a, a game in. Uh, early days of David Beckham's um, career. I think by that, well, he must have been married to Victoria by that stage. And um, he came over to take a corner and there were about four or five guys standing in the old West Stand specifically to taunt David Beckham. And uh, placed there by the management. Well, yeah, they might well have been, but he obviously put the ball on the spot. The referee was busy sorting out the defence and doing what they normally do. And there's always a delay for a guy taking a penalty. And these four guys just started to sing their rehearsed song. Um, And I don't know if you remember, Victoria Beckham had been on Parkinson and she teased Michael Parkinson about David wearing her her underwear. Mm Mm-hmm. So these four guys just went into the uh, song. It, it was to, to the tune of God Save the Queen. <laughs> and, and it went, he's lost his underwear. Can't find his underwear. He's lost his pants. <laughs> Send him victorious. Aww. He'll look just glorious. He's lost his underwear. He's lost his pants. But, you know, basically the, 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 the sudden humour of four guys who obviously conspired to be there and wait for him to take a corner. I mean, I wonder how long they'd actually been practising seen that in the pub before they arrived to be fair David Beckham uh, did behave quite splendidly he turned around and applauded them which was you know I think I think very very noble under the circumstances probably the nicest thing anybody ever sang (laughs) (laughs) I think he had worse yeah Yeah. Um, the guys behind us in in block 141 constantly try to get the Mikhail Antonio song going which is uh, was it he played for Forrest? He couldn't get a game. <laughs> yeah, he played at right back. It just wasn't the same. Yeah. Yeah. Up on the wing now. Sit back and watch him go. He plays for West Ham. Michael Antonio. And it's yeah. great. It's great. But it's just too complicated. No one's... Yeah, no yeah, one's not enough salt and pepper based football. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Opinion, so no. more power I mean, to after yeah. about the eighth yeah. week when nobody's joining in. Yeah, I think you've got to take really. the hint, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about... Um, the way that the um, football chants have changed. It's more player-based now, whereas before it used to be um, you're going home in a London ambulance or um, yeah. you know, you're going to get your fucking heads kicked in. Um, it was much more simple in those days. Yeah, weren't we just? Yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Colin. So, uh, we've got Palace coming up tomorrow. Uh, I think in the last podcast we talked about, uh, well, they talked about the... Um, uh, predictions and whatever, but I don't think. I think in the light of Saturday's game, it's got a different complexion on it altogether. Um, we've got now nine players out injured, or eight if you allow for the fact that Sacco is now gone and he wasn't injured in the first place because <laughs> he's passed a medical at Wren without any uh, any particular problem. Um, uh, we just don't know what the lineup's going to be. No, not at all. I mean, they might sneak a couple back in because. There are some who didn't play on Saturday, Noble being one who I think might mm. be fit enough to come back. And there's a bit of talk today that Font and Antonio might be fit enough to play, but they haven't had any games. Not, not under 23, no 
closed doors friendlies or anything so you'd think it would be very tough for them mm. um, so it does make it difficult I, I think actually in a curious way our best hope is if the crowd really get into it the, you know it is a night game the atmosphere will typically be better and actually Moyes sets them up almost like an away team and the fans stick with us and we play in that kind of slightly defensive way slightly in inverted commas, <laughs> a very defensive way that Moyes has, has set us up uh, you know, with before and look to hit them on the break it hasn't been so successful against the so-called lesser teams, though, has it? No, but I mean, we. To be fair, Palace are better than their league position mm. suggests. They are not a bad side, and since Hodgson came in, they're, they're pretty decent. Um, but I, I could see us hitting them on the break of it. It's, obviously, it's, it's a nightmare to be talking like this about mm. a home game yeah. against the fellow sort of struggling side. But but who's gonna who's gonna hit them on the break if we've got no? I think that's we haven't exactly, got any pace, I, have I we? I think that's exactly the point that. Um, we're forced to play that defensive um, lineup because we are. Um, then you're, you're looking at one Mexican forward who doesn't move very much. Mm. That's all. That's all we've got. That is a problem. Um, he cannot break with pace, can he? Yeah. So I mean, you, you're, you're almost going back to the emergency days. Have we got you know sort of a part-time forward that we can put in there, or have we got a far, you know? Would it be somebody like Oxford who doesn't really seem to be one? Of, he doesn't want to be on the pitch at all. Mm, he looks completely disinterested, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm. Um, but there are no other attacking o- options. Martinez no. clearly doesn't look as if he's a premiership footballer yet. He might be at some stage, but, I mean, he's a long way away from being the finished character. And I do fear tomorrow. I think that we could probably um, play that defensive line-up and maybe sneak something by a dead ball, Um I don't know, a corner with the big lads coming up from the back. But you can't really see a creative goal in any way. No. You, you really can't envisage somebody doing that. I mean, who's going to play Who's going to play in Lanzini's, in Lanzini's role? Is, I guess it will have be... Have Zanovic going to get a game? I don't I, think so. I would so. think it would be Gio Mario, but the problem then is I don't know who else plays in central midfield. I, I am taking yeah. my boots... Yeah. Just to, you know, well, we'll get on the bench. We've just signed a central midfielder, and one thing that is known to be is a creative midfielder that will be looking to latch onto a forward. Well, he now, played a number 10 role at uh, yeah, Inter, he, didn't he? he? But I think he. But, 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 is, but he's not actually playing alongside anybody, and I think he'll struggle to find that telling through ball to somebody who just doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. it's going to be an it's going to be a very awkward debut for him. He needs uh, an, an Altovic or uh, Antonio to. To run on so his past, I think if they it? can get Antonio back tomorrow, I reckon they'll patch him up and play mm-hmm. him, even for you know. Yeah, has that hour. been the problem though? But we keep patching him up and he falls down again. I think it know? very much is. He, he did his hamstring against Swansea or someone last year, and he's just not been the never same been the same since, has he? Yeah. No. Yeah. Anything in this um, suggestion that he may have had a, a training ground bust up? Possibly have, have heard. Some rumours about that, but I don't know. He may actually be. He may actually be fit. Un, uh, uh, totally unreasonable. I mean, they all look as if they're getting on famously. I can't say how you suggest that. Yes, yeah. and, and they're all in hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's uh, never been a happy award. No. One of the, one of the uh, something that is of uh, small comfort is that Palace have got almost as many injury uh, problems as we have, but I understand they've got a couple coming back. So, um, I don't. I don't see it going well tomorrow night. I don't think that... Um... I think it'll be tough. I think Zaha's playing very well. They are just quite well organised under Hodgson. 
they are a good team hitting you on the break as well, actually, which, that's, that mm. they yeah, are, which is the I danger. Mean, the one thing that Moyes has actually done, I'm, I'm quite confident that he can put together a defence for tomorrow night. I, I, I agree I, with I, you. I yeah. think that he can probably negate some of their attacking prowess, but um, it's where we go from there. I, think I mean, I take a point now. Yeah, I'd probably yeah, yeah, keep us ahead of them, wouldn't it? But, I probably um, would, would too. I mean, I think if you can go to Man City like we did and yeah. keep them under wraps as well as we did, you know, better than pretty much any other uh, Premier League team has done this season. We went to Spurs and they had a lot of shots, but it was all long range, you know. So mm. we, he has shown an ability to keep good sides at bay. The problem is in those games, there isn't an expectation that we'll attack. Yeah, I think mm. that's a very so, good point. I mean, those two games, the, the, the game at Wembley and the game at uh, Manchester City, not only did we keep them at bay, but the real chances fell to us. That's right, and in that, both games, that, that, yeah. that was quite extraordinary that mm. Man City did actually keep going at us and keep going, but they didn't really have any clear-cut chances until they actually ended up winning the game. Yeah. And Tottenham, Tottenham took their one chance from long range. That that That's was right. it. Yeah. You you can't really say that anything it was anything other than the scramble or a half chance for Tottenham. That's right. But it kind of depends. It's different at home, so it will depend a little bit, I think, on the crowd. I think the crowd are going to be a vital factor tomorrow night, and I think that um, if we perform as we did against Leicester uh, in that evening game, hmm. um, that was will, quite extraordinary. It was. Mm-hmm. I think the crowd took took matters into well, their own hands. The, the, that the night crowd seemed to be down before that matter, and I. I uh, and I think Phil's mentioned it on the podcast before because that really came from the corner where we were standing in and where we stand every week. Um, all of a sudden, um, there are half a dozen people in front of us that were extraordinarily up for the game for mm. no particular reason mm. after about 28 minutes. Um, and, and it just spread like wildfire. Mm. But there was no reason. We weren't doing anything special. No. I think we had a little bit of the ball at their end. But... Just all of a sudden, it went all the way around the stadium, and it, it was touch and go because I actually thought at the time this is this is either going to continue, or the crowd are actually going to get on their backs because I think that was just as possible at that time. I think it was it was there to start the chorus and the boos and the mm. songs against the ball, but for sudden some sudden reason because quite it, often it takes ball. it takes no an incident why. to spark something off doesn't it like um uh, you recall uh, mark noble's um yeah. um at uh, wembley in the in the carabao cup game a bit was, of fisticuffs uh, with yeah, rose wasn't it got, yeah, the car- yeah. got the crowd going and that was the sort of turning point yeah. but that leicester game it there was, was no ju- there was nothing no nothing to point. sort of uh, spark it off but I think it's the nature of West Ham supporters. Sometimes they think, oh, we're down and we're out and we've got nothing to do. Sod it, let's sing. Like the Billy Bonds Claret Blue Army at, yeah. uh, at Villa Park. At Villa Park, yeah. 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 I mean, that, 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 was, that had never been done before. Nobody mm. had ever sung the whole game, the same song, all the way through a whole half. Well, Forest fans still talk ne- about it now. Yeah, never, never happened before. Mm. And that obviously wasn't the same in the Leicester game. It was nothing like that. Um, but, but it was the beginning of the first real atmosphere at that stadium I, I mean it really there's been a couple of good wins where it's seemed fairly bright but I think that was the first proper atmosphere for a, a nondescript game yeah, yeah yeah one other thing I wanted to talk about and that is the West Ham United Independent Supporters Association Huisa 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 um, they're conducting a ticket survey at the moment uh, amongst supporters their views on away ticket allocations. Now, there's been a controversial uh, scheme brought in to 
reserve 10% of tickets for away games for... Uh, I'm not sure if it's for non-season ticket holders or for season ticket holders with insufficient priority Below points. The, yeah, yeah. Priority yeah. Point, yeah. Um, what's your views on that, James? Well, I fall into the category of, of people who don't have enough priority mm. points for away games. Um, and what happens is any away game that I've been to in the last couple of years, I've had to get tickets off someone who has got the mm. same number here, of priority yeah. points. And so what happens is they get the benefit of those mm-hmm. points, which is fair enough because they've got me the ticket. But it creates a cycle whereby you can actually never get mm. up to the number of tickets you need. And I know people will say, well, yeah, you know, you can go to Everton away on a Tuesday, and that is true, but... Well, you can yeah. buy the ticket for Everton away on a Tuesday. Yeah, and maybe not go. Yeah, um, I... I the, the problem I have with it is, even though I'm one of the people who theoretically would benefit, I cannot see how it's fair that me with four priority points should get a ticket for Tottenham away and someone who's got 26 points doesn't. Mm. And that, to me, just is fundamentally not right. But I do think the club has to try and address it, and I think it's a bit invidious. I don't think they can really win. Because if you just let the same 3,000 people buy tickets for the games every week... Yeah. You, you, you're, not ever, then, you're never it? growing your yeah. away support. I think it's important to introduce new blood into the um, into the away into the away support. the yeah, way following, so it is, and yeah. um, it, it's it, you know to me it's a good way of doing that. But as you say, there are uh, there are drawbacks. Have I, you? I mean, being a big critic of the club, as, as a lot of us are, I mean, I will say one thing that I feel for them, and that's because I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I don't think they thought it out particularly, um, but it was obvious what was going to happen. You had a, a 36,000 crowd at Upton Park. Um, of that, you probably had 18,000, 19,000 season ticket mm. holders who were entitled to apply for away tickets and get their priority points. All of a sudden, we've got 50,000 yes. season ticket holders. Mm. That was going to cause a problem from the outset. Um, and like everything they've done, you know, this successful migration, it wasn't something that was sought out at the time. If they'd actually introduced a fairer scheme at the time so people just couldn't build up those points mm. and basically hog the rest for the next four seasons, if they'd actually had some forethought as to what they were going to do with those away allocations, it would have, it, we, we wouldn't be sitting here with this problem now. I do accept that they have been trying to address the problem and James is right, nothing's perfect but I think that there is a specific problem in the Premier League at the moment as well, which is that there's some quite small clubs in the league. So Bournemouth, you only get yes. 500 tickets. Um, yeah. Swansea is 1,800 or something. Yeah. What did we get for Spurs? Two and a half Two thousand. Seven. I mean, it's ludicrous in a, yeah. a, a 90,000 stadium. So you can't get many tickets generally, mm. and that's at a club level. So if the most you never get is 3,000. As, as Colin said, the problem has, has come around because of the, the massive increase in the number of season ticket holders. And therefore, also, um, this this kind of um there is a there are a uh, there's a sort of fear of missing out on cup finals and things if mm, if yeah. you uh if you haven't got enough priority points yeah. because well, because you've now but we, we know nothing about that do we yeah we, we, we don't know that, that really final. is theoretical <laughs> isn't it yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it, absolutely it, it, but, but it, it's you see out. how people start scrambling for for away tickets when you get to the quarter final of a yeah. cup of well, a cup when competition you, when you get to a cup final and it's just be ludicrous and suggest that we get to one in the next five years yeah. what is the club's policy on allocations of tickets because yeah. oh. they've never said anything they're going to have to worry about will, that when they get to will it, they yeah. give it on priority points that exist now mm. will they do that on longevity of season tickets because if you have one at the 
uh, at Upton Park and you had that for 30 odd years are you going to be given any preference um, how will they do it because you know in all of their plans going forward and all their plans to be a big club they don't address those sort of problems there's no, there's, the, the, and you just know you just know with this club that they won't go to the right people yeah. you'll get it wrong you just know they'll do that and that's the reason why um, I brought up this subject because of this ticket survey and there is okay the questions have been criticised as well as, as not, not covering every sort of eventuality but unless the Independent Supporters Association get a good breadth of opinion from yeah. supporters as a whole and obviously if you've got 28 priority points your opinion is going to be different to someone who's got four priority points but um, unless they get that breadth of, of, of opinion uh, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, to move forward on, on this matter and I think it's something that does need addressing with the club. So, uh, a quick reminder, uh, if you live in Essex or Kent, uh, our friends at Zelo are offering you a seat on a free luxury coach directly to the London Stadium. Go to ride.westhampodcast.com and use the promo code HAMMERTIME. And also don't forget to drop in at the Stop Hammer Time Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter at West Ham Podcast or leave a review for the podcast on the iTunes and get our free app at app.westhampodcast.com. I think all we have left to do is to predict outcomes for the Palace and the upcoming Brighton game, which we haven't really discussed, but I think <laughs> I think the same applies, doesn't it? Because it's only in a few days. It's only a few days after the Palace game. So, uh, James, what do you think? For tomorrow and Saturday. So I think tomorrow, in Moyes we trust one all. Mm. Um, Saturday we'll have signed loads of players, but then it'd be brilliant. We'll have nine new strikers, uh, and we will win two nil at Brighton. <laughs> I admire wow. your optimism. Yeah, yeah. I know. At, Who knew? <laughs> at, at least you haven't taken anything out of the equation for me. That's just <laughs> fine. I think we, we we might get a goal of straw at home to Palace, and I expect to lose. Uh, 2-0 at Brighton. Mm. Well, I, I I share your view about a goalless draw tomorrow night, but I can't have the same no, as I've you, so it's, I, it's will go for a, I will go for a, a jammy 1-0 win. And uh, I also uh, think we'll probably go the same way at Brighton as we did at, at Wigan, but um, I think they're probably on a, a pretty downward spiral in terms of form as well, so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get a draw there as well, maybe 2-2. <clears throat> Scoring a lot of goals, aren't we? Yeah, we are, no yeah. Strikers, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't give us any goals. <laughs> okay, I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, I've been Robert Banks, and with me have been James Kearns. Thank you for having me. And Colin Milne. It's been lovely. Come on, you irons. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. 
To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.